You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I'm CJ Palmisano. I'm your host here, and I'm joined from the Gate Leapers Podcast. Matt, how's it going, man? Hey, man, it's going good. Thanks for thanks for having me on the pod. Of course, uh, thanks for coming on here. Uh, we connected via some mutual friends of ours, uh, Bryce and Dylan of the Making Kayfabe Podcast. I randomly, a few months back, uh, they shared your podcast, like a, a game show type of pop culture-esque uh, type of stuff. Really entertaining, really yeah. fun. Uh, real quickly, just uh, let everybody know about that because your podcast is hilarious. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, we're a pop culture panel show podcast that shines a spotlight on everyone's favorite fandoms, or at least, you know, that's our tagline that we say at the start of every show. Uh, each episode, we leap into a fandom, uh, play a series of silly trivia games and improv challenges surrounding that fandom, and have a few laughs along the way. Uh, so games are things like guess the famous movie scene from YouTube comments alone, uh, so you can kind of see the craziness of YouTube. Uh, compose original fan fiction with your teammates one word at a time, things like that. Uh, yeah, if you like pop culture or just a good laugh, have, check out our episode list. See if there's a see if there's a fandom you're in, and you might enjoy it. Yeah, oh, and... I, I hate promoting my own stuff. I know, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I loved I love doing it in terms of like sharing what I've made with people, but it's it's so awkward, isn't it? <laughs> it is kind of awkward. I, I similar thing. Bryce and Dylan had me on their show last year, and it just felt so weird. I'm just like, I don't I don't want like talking about myself. I appreciate you wanting to help, but it's like. We get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. yeah, it's it's a great podcast. It's a fun time. There's stuff like Marvel Wrestling, which is what we'll get into. Uh, Star mm-hmm. Wars, Lord of the Rings, to Shrek, Avatar, Last Airbender. There's something there for everybody. So definitely go check it out. Uh, but anyway, getting back to what we're gonna going to be talking about here. So yes. um, Matt, when I we initially kind of connected and we were talking, we were kind of just like, oh, you know, it's like things are going pretty well right now. Why, why don't we? Though at the time, I think Triple H was kind of just coming into his power of uh, of head of creative, and we're just like, oh, well, maybe there's some guys from formerly WWE who could come back, or maybe some AEW guys or girls could uh, could go over and kind of talk about that. And we will kind of get into that, but um, but CM Punk just made it all by himself. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> and for those longtime listeners and anybody who knows me personally, CM Punk is one of my favorite wrestlers, if not probably my favorite wrestler ever. But if you're a CM Punk fan... Um, it's very hard to be a CM Punk fan. So to kind of catch up people, if you've been living under a rock this whole time, we'll kind of briefly go what happened. So All Out 2022 happens uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, CM Punk defeats John Moxley in the main event, and lights go out, and then we hear a voice message from Tony Khan to we what we assume is MJF, the, the devil master person from the casino ladder match comes out, takes the mask off, and his back is standing behind him, it shows a clip of old CM Punk and ROH going, you stupid old man. The the greatest thing the devil ever did was convince people he never existed. Now, the devil has yes. returned. And it's MJF putting the the scarf around his neck, comes out, and it's setting up CM Punk versus MJF, which is like, okay, that's cool. Because ever since that whole MJF pipe bomb promo he cut after Double or Nothing, everyone's just like, MJF has got to be the world champion. And if he can beat CM Punk for the world title, that's perfect. And that's exactly what was going on. And then we had All Out's uh, media scrum, which AEW likes to do. They like to have make it feel more sports-based. And this is according to Wikipedia because so much has happened since then. Uh, so, <laughs> in and, and I quote, in the, all, in the post-All Out media scrum, CM Punk took issue with certain members of the media as he addressed non-kayfabe rumors that he had attempted to get Scott Colton, a.k.a. Cole Cabana, fired, a rumor which he allegedly denied. His denial of the rumor was packed... Um, was backed up by AEW President Tony Khan, who had previously denied the rumor following ROH's 2022 Death Before Dishonor event. Punk cited irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs, AEW's EVPs being Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, and Hangman Adam Page as the reason why those rumors were leaked and reporting in the weeks leading up to All Out. He also addressed an incident where Adam Page went off script 
in the face-to-face promo leading up to their Double or Nothing main event in May. Punk quoting saying, what did I ever do in this world to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like Hangman Adam Page <laughs> to go on the national television and fucking go into business for himself? For what? What did I do? Real quickly, that is hilarious that they have the actual quote on Wikipedia here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, multiple publications, including Fightful, PW Insider, and Wrestling Observer, reported that after Punk's comments, a shoot backstage fight occurred between Punk, Punk's friend Ace Steel, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks on September 7th episode of AEW Dynamite. Tony Khan had announced that Punk had been stripped of the title and definite suspension from AEW because on fight, Omega and the Bucks were uh, similarly suspended and stripped of the trio tag team titles on September 8th. Dave Meltzer reported that CM Punk tore a muscle in his arm during his match with Moxley at All Out. Will require surgery. The belief is that the injury will keep him out to ring for almost eight months. A lot to unpack, un- unpack there. Yeah, and definitely. It's, it is a lot, and it's just, again, why... Um, kind of just waiting a little over a week for all this stuff out because almost every day this past week something new has come from this story so Matt I want to get your initial thoughts about this um did, I don't know if you watched all out live but when you, I'm sure when you when it happened I mean me I just went to bed and then my my buddy Sean texted me he's like did you hear what punk said I'm like uh no so what are your thoughts of all this yeah a very similar situation I I did watch all out live but those shows can go on a bit and I have a few drinks during them. So I get pretty sleepy afterwards. <laughs> uh, so it's like, yeah, Same. time to wind down and unplug from, from digital media for the, for the day. And then just wake up the next morning to, with messages from friends saying, you've got to check out the press conference. All hell is breaking loose and CM Punk is eating cupcakes. Um, <laughs> so it just, it, and then it was just like watching it in disbelief. And because I hadn't read any of the online discourse, a, a part of me was like, how much of this is real, how much of this is like a work shoot. But it became pretty apparent over the next few hours and days that it was it was all just punk uh, unloading frustrations, so to speak. And it's wild to think that. And this all stems from the promo that they had, um, again, leading before Double or Nothing, when CM Punk and Hangman Page were getting ready to for the big world title match. And I remember watching that promo live, and I was just like, this is really good. And I, I remember Paige saying those in this promo. I was like, I'm not here to defend the AEW World title from you. I'm here to defend all elite wrestling from you. And mm-hmm. I remember hearing that line. I'm just like, that's interesting. Because from the most part of what we had heard is that the backstage stuff, backstage morale in AEW was going pretty well. Punk was very much enjoying his time in wrestling. And, you know, if you remember in the beginning, he wanted to work with younger guys. He worked with Darby Allen, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. uh, You know, he wanted, and there's a few other guys I'm forgetting, but I remember he wanted to work with all the younger guys and he wanted to help Mm -hmm. build this place. And then, you know, the, I think from his start, from his return, all the way up to his match with MJF at Revolution this past year, I, I think initially is a perfect uh you know perfect run for a guy, caliber yeah. of CM Punk coming back into wrestling. No, definitely that it was a perfect start. Like you said, working with lots of lots of young guys really helps when a veteran returns, uh, not having sort of given anything to the business in seven or eight years, and just it's like instantly like, yep, you're CM Punk. You're you're the guy from Ring of Honor who was all, all about leading a revolution and. DIY culture and everything like that it it all seemed to be as promised and then yeah kind of peaked with the with the MJF dog collar match will you be my valentine or just such a good such a good program uh and then yeah i guess the hangman the hangman comments got under his skin or perhaps a combination of the hangman comments and being injured when he's supposed to be the top guy uh maybe doesn't know how to like process that internally so he kind of lashed out at everyone else i don't know i don't know and and we go to some of these comments that he made like you know he claims that you know the the bucks omega and page himself like apparently spread these rumors to try and get cocabana fired when you know when yeah. these you know cuz a lot of guys were starting to get cut or not not cut but they were they weren't offered uh deals that they had initially like guys like uh Stu Grayson and Alan Angels who were in the dark order I was I was actually listening to the Alan Angels episode on Talk is Jericho recently and he was saying how he wasn't offered a new actual contract but he was offered uh, a per appearance deal you know and even Jericho was saying look well now we have guys like Adam Cole here CM Punk Brian Danielson really big names uh, in AEW, so you know, obviously, a lot of money is going to be going to their contracts. 
And, you know, yeah. I, like Angels understood the whole thing. But it's a thing of like, yes, those guys are now here. And like, so the whole thing with being like, well, maybe Cole Cabana might be one of those guys cut, you know, like as a hardcore wrestling fan. And if you've been a if you, and if you're any fan of Ring of Honor of some kind, you know, Cole Cabana or if you just know him from his podcast that he used to do. Yeah, absolute podcast pioneer. Yes, like like if it was not for uh, Cole Cabana, like guys like Jericho and even Austin at some point, all these wrestlers who you hear have podcasts in the rest in like podcast wrestling sphere, it would not be as nearly as big as it is if it not, was not for Cole Cabana. He helped make Definitely. a lot of guys' careers, and Punk and Cabana have had a dispute. They had a a, bit, a huge falling out after Punk's time on on his on Cabana's podcast explaining why he left WWE and why he was frustrated and everything it led to a whole whole big mess and that's a podcast for another day and a podcast that somebody has talked about at some point so basically <laughs> they were getting sued by Dr. Chris Amann from WWE the doctor and then Punk allegedly saying how he was paying for so much of Cabana's stuff and he was frustrated they had a falling out and people I guess would think oh he's going to try and get Cole Cabana fired. Now, I wouldn't think that's necessarily the elite and Hangman Page spreading those rumors, but I think it's just wrestling fans in general, wouldn't you think? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's it's the usual wrestling rumor mill. Is There are some things that come from sources, but for the most part, it's a lot of fan speculation fueling clicks uh, for various outlets, which I'm, I, I don't begrudge. I, I consider that part of the entertainment. It's like any other business. It's you gotta you got to get eyes on eyes on what you're doing as a journalist or an entertainment reporter and so I, to I totally get it but I, d I can't imagine this came from from within like this came from Kenny and the Bucks like it just doesn't it doesn't really add up no like, it doesn't it just seems like especially as he said it with such anger at the press conference it, it, you know like when you can tell someone's lying but you've got absolutely no evidence that they are <laughs> it's yeah and, and that's like that that's something like that where, like, initially another thing, and it doesn't mention here in this little paragraph that I read before, but the whole story, but I think it was Meltzer or Alvarez, I think it was someone from the Wrestling Observer, had apparently stated that Punk planned this, as in he planned to air his grievances after All Out in the Media Scrum, and he's been feeling this way since May of 2022, of this year. And that blows my mind, and here's one big thing that he said in this whole, uh, whatever you want to call it, promo or, or shoot promo, whatever you want to call yeah. it, he said, and a big thing in his 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 thing that he in his quote was, "If you have a problem with me, come talk to me." And again, as a big CM Punk fan, and as as I'm saying this, well, it works both fucking ways. If yeah, you yeah. have a problem with somebody, go talk to them. If you even think you have a sliver of any kind of not doubt, but like any. Just any reasoning for why you think these guys would spread rumors about you, you're like, hey, mm -hmm. what's going on here? Why can't you come to them? That's it. That I So much of what Punk said just came across as projection of, like, he was demanding from everyone else what he never does. Like, he famously never used to listen to veterans, but was chastising Hangman for the exact same thing. And just as you mentioned, like the idea of this open door policy, but he never goes and hashes things out with people he has problems with by stewing on this for, for three months since May. And not at any point he could have he could have gone and spoken to Hangman and they could have sought out their issues. I mean, he even called them all fucking children while he was eating a cupcake. Like, <laughs> how can you not? You, the irony is like just completely lost on him. Yeah, that is very ironic. And I just. Everyone Completely. can enjoy. I just want to make it clear: anyone can enjoy a cupcake. It's just when you're calling other people children, it's it's extra funny. It is. It's very funny. It's just I just find I completely forgot about that whole point, and also how he just every once in a while, you know, he's like, oh yeah, this the the cupcakes are from uh, so and such, such and such bakery here in Chicago. Yeah. Highly recommend it. I'm like, that's great that you're plugging this this uh, bakery, and maybe when I finally get to visit Chicago, maybe I'll go visit them. I like a good <laughs> cupcake or muffin, wherever the hell you're eating, but no one's gonna be talking about that. It's it's no. And the thing was, is that the first reporter he went to, I see people online saying how like, oh, like, why did the, some people are saying like, why was the reporter bringing up Cole Cabana? Nobody brought up Cole Cabana, but CM Punk. No. Yeah. It was, I think Punk tried to, and this, this plays into the report you just mentioned of it being a predetermined thing, a pre-planned moment because, or at least from Punk's perspective, I'm not, I'm not saying it to work. He tried to bait that first reporter into into asking about Colt Cabana, but when the bait fails, it 
he just has to go on the rant anyway. I, I, that I don't understand. He even says like, oh, you know, Scott, um, your, your improv thing with Scott Colton. Oh, yeah, you're friends with Scott Colton. He's like, no. Oh, then, then that's something you and I have in common then. Like yeah. that initially there, I'm like, that seems harmless. And then boom. It's like, what the hell? I A lot of like, a lot of the backstage morale as we've heard in the past week is that it was very, very low. There are some people even saying that, well, one, that Ace, like, let, let's kind of get into like the brawl itself. There are yeah. there are there are reports and rumors from all which sides of saying that Punk and sorry Omega and the Bucks wanted to just wanted to talk to me like I mean a little mad but like hey what's going on here? Whereas apparently from the Ace Steel and CM Punk side is that Punk uh, sorry the Bucks and and Omega were banging on the door threatening to kick the door down and then do kick the door down and then all hell hell breaks loose. There are things that Ace Steel. Threw a steel chair at Nick Jackson and uh, hit him and gave him a black eye. Uh, CM Punk laying the first punch to Matt Jackson. Ace Steel pulling Kenny Omega's hair and biting Kenny Omega. And then another report of Kenny Omega trying to get CM Punk's dog Larry out of the room because he didn't want anything bad to happen to him. Yeah. Um, and then others. So in turn, Punk, the elite, uh, Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa. Um, I believe Pat Buck, um, I think a steel as well, uh, all suspended punk has been suspended, but he also has a tricep injury. Here is something that is, um, and I put this on our Twitter page at TNAWP for the, for the podcast. And some people are thinking like he shouldn't come back punk after his actions. And that if he does, he needs to make serious amends according to Meltzer from AEW talent. And I yeah. pegged the question should CM Punk be fired? 65% of the voters say no, whereas 35 of the voters say yes. Now, Matt, what is your initial thought about this? He is injured, so it's kind of tricky to do that, but what do you think is kind of the thing that needs to happen for the whole CM Punk situation? Yeah, I think I think that obviously the suspensions were the right call while every everyone figures out what exactly went down. Did, did a steal bite? Kenny Omega or not, is Larry okay? <laughs> Everything like that. But he would he would have to be a completely new kind of professional. Like he'd have to, I'm going to use the phrase again, but he'd have to grow up in a lot of ways and learn how to sort of work as a team as like a collaborative effort of putting something on because a lot of his, the, the sort of tone of his frustrations came across as like, no, but I'm the top guy so I can, I can do and say what I want. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how much it harms the the credibility of someone else's character or act and that would just have to completely go and like like you say it would need like reparations and a complete reform to not result in a firing i mean i personally don't think punk is just going to come back of his own accord i th i think he'll just walk like i i i think they'll have they'll go through all of the proceedings with this and then he'll just be like i'm not I'm not coming back to work because I think he seems like he's done. Like what took eight years in, in WWE seemingly took a year in AEW. It's, it's, it's amazing to see because Punk was a guy when AEW first started was a name that was thrown around for so long. Mm -hmm. And like we mentioned earlier, that, that first initial however many months from, from August to February of this year, and even even up to like May of this year with the whole uh, Hangman Page feud, everything was going really well. And then these reports mm -hmm. started to come out, and then this pipe, this, I guess, promo or whatever he cut happened. It could more or less be a thing of like, does he even want to come back at this point? And... I don't think CM Punk should be fired. I still think yeah. he has value in his name, but he like I agree with you, he needs to grow up. And it and it's and it's a trickle effect too. Cuz you like to think about would he still be so bitter if it if he had just gotten his WrestleMania main event? Like if they just threw him in the WrestleMania main event whether it be 28 or 29 where you could have made a triple threat between him, Cena and Rock. He didn't yeah. care. He's like, just make it a triple threat, make it elimination, and you can eliminate me in like five minutes. I don't care. At least I get my main event. Could yeah, that have changed? Have been, that would have been really good booking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a fan, I would have been pissed. I went to that mania. But <laughs> but I was like, hey, and then you look back on hindsight, hey, at least Punk got his main event. Would he have left WWE? Maybe he wouldn't have. Maybe AEW would or would not happen. We, we don't know. But then it trickles down to that. It's like, well, would he still be the same person? And you yeah. like to think about what if, but then again, you kind of have to think about the now. And it's just like, dude, you need to let that shit go. 
yeah yeah that that really is it he holds on to things that just you don't expect someone in their 40s to still behave that's why i keep saying grow up which sounds really patronizing because he's older than me but it, <laughs> it it's just like no you kind of have to let go of these things and move on and then i i can't help but think that previous guys uh in wwe who've had set similar setbacks of pushes like the like the moxley's and the uh, daniel bryan at various points and stuff like that they just they just kind of like soldiered on and ended up getting high profile matches as a result and it's just like if you just let things go a little bit more punk you might get what you're looking for all along and those are some names you mentioned like guys like moxley uh danielson and even and even chris jericho now yeah. Moxley and Punk are very similar in the sense of like they were both beloved by fans all around, but they weren't liking their booking. Now, I would argue that I think CM Punk probably had a better run as a top guy. I'm I'm excluding the shield here for a minute because okay. the Dean Ambrose shield portion of his of Moxley's career is probably the best part of Moxley's WWE run. When you talk about a top guy perspective, Dean Ambrose and CM Punk in WWE, CM Punk had it way better because he was championed for over a year. The thing that really sucked, and as fans as we knew, he was pushed aside as the champion because Cena was always in the main event, and he was he was the champion, but he wasn't the guy. Cena was the guy, and that is understandable for your uh, for your feelings being upset and being frustrated because when you're yeah. supposed to be the champion, you're meant to be the guy. You're meant to be the top guy. You are meant to be the one carrying your, this company on your back. And that's and that's a great work ethic that he has because he just wants to be the guy. And every guy should strive to do that. John Moxley, in your in your uh, your point there, he did soldier on. Danielson and, and Jericho did get the main event WrestleMania. But I think it's like Moxley had because that promo he cut on Dynamite this past Wednesday. I'm, I like I texted my my buddy Sean. I'm just like that's what a locker room leader looks like. Yeah, definitely. Like that is what yeah. you need to do. Yeah, no, he's he really feels like I I know he said it in the promo, but he really feels like our ace. Like it 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 was a shame that the stuff between him and Punk like was overshadowed by all the backstage drama. But I I enjoyed Mox's run this summer. I enjoyed him having like banger championship matches every couple weeks and then i was it made me excited for the return of cm punk because it's like oh yeah it's ace versus ace it's top guy versus top guy mm -hmm. this is going to be really good and for the most part it was it's just now it's an afterthought that's what sucks because honestly i i wanted moxley to win and that angle they did where yeah. like he just like oh was that not supposed to happen i'm like what the hell is going on and then the story of like oh it's supposed to be punk winning the title back at all out and it's like okay that can be fine and i'm just and in my head i'm just like as long as this leads to an mjf cm punk match yes this can work and it was going to work you know and i even still even though mjf pretended to be a baby face and was playing it up ridiculously oh, that was fantastic it was i love mjf and i'm just like i am at some point I, I say to myself at some point he's got to turn babyface like he his character is not going to change but he will turn babyface because the crowd loves it the guy yeah. arguably he got the loudest reaction in chicago more than cm punk the hometown guy the yeah. chicago guy it's uh pretty impressive so it takes that that shows that you've got the audience in the palm of your hand for sure. Exactly. He's he's going to be obviously he's still a heel now. But that is another thing is that even MJF's return to wrestling to AEW. Yeah. That got oh, overshadowed exactly. huge by this. It should be all about people should be talking about oh MJF versus CM Punk. Everyone should be talking about that, but they can't. No, through through uh, the craziest nights in a backstage in wrestling history backstage in about two and a half decades i i think about other like backstage brawls i i try to you know and none of them come as close to something like this and i'm probably forgetting some but it's just no, amazing it's, it's, how it's this the is biting, taken. man it's the fact that there's a dog present and it's the biting <laughs> and the, it's it's the theater of the mind the whole thing reads ridiculous no matter which side of the story because when i read like the young books kick down the door my wrestling brain just imagines them both super kicking the door. At the yeah, mine too. And <laughs> slapping the leg it's and just, everything. It's, it's it's the most like it's the craziest backstage brawl because the the stories coming out of it are so crazy. Maybe once the investigation's done, it turns out it was just like a sort of a standard tussle. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it might just be the craziest brawl of all time. Maybe. And I think that somebody I think maybe from Sean Ross Sapp or Meltzer said that. Someone from WWE pretty much said, and I'm, this is kind of like paraphrasing here, 
They kind of need to get their shit together because they could all make money in on TV. Like one of the big dream matches yeah. of CM Punk coming back is Kenny Omega versus CM Punk. It would be absolutely ridiculous to not do that match sometime next year when he comes back or maybe in 2020, uh, 2024. Who knows? But that is a main event caliber match. That, that is a marquee match right there. Mm-hmm. You know, also matches like Adam Cole versus CM Punk is a big match that you'd want to do. Like there's still guys for him to work with. And even Danielson for, for uh, yeah. or even even Jericho. You could bring back the Jericho punk thing. Who, there's still money to be made with him, which is why I don't think he's like AEW would want him to be done, but I could easily see him being done there. One point I want to bring up to you is that I think a big reason why a lot of this happened, and I think a lot of this fault is on Tony Khan. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Especially with him sat there at that press conference just sort of taking all of that from punk. It didn't speak much to him as a manager, which at the end of the day, like he's not talent. He is, he's promoter. He's he's manager. He's got a his job is to manage everyone. So it's just, I think the problem is like they he kind of just put Punk on a pedestal, you know, like oh this is the guy who's gonna bring us uh, the the big revenue and a lot of lapsed wrestling fans back in because when he left WWE or whenever you know a lot of wrestling fans left wrestling completely. So it's gonna like they put him on this pedestal and Punk clearly has issues, has an ego, so that's really going to go to his head. And again, yeah. also the passion the passion that he does, that he has been rejuvenated in wrestling, or it could all just be bullshit, who knows, but like, but Tony Khan, like, he, he's glad to, to boast about AEW when AEW is doing well. Well, now you got to be a boss. Now you got to step up, and him suspending all these guys was the right move to make, but there's still a lot of things that he needs to do. Yeah, de- definitely. It's, uh, it showed the difference between like a a power structure of WWE that's been around for decades where management is almost ingrained in it. And AEW is still rel- like a relatively new company. I know they're sort of in their kind of second phase now after, after Punk returned and it's a much more established place for people to work. But it's in the grand scheme of like corporate structures, it's still a young company and still has a lot of growing to do. And like hopefully... They come out of the other side of this much stronger in a few months' time. Where uh, whether that's with Punk back or not, it's it, hopefully they Tony Khan has more of a handle on everything and everyone uh, because this just this can't happen again. Like this is something that can happen to a young company once, but it you're not going to get talent wanting to work here uh, if if things like this happen. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to put too much blame on Punk, even though he was the kind of one who initiated this. But blame needs to be put on here on the elite as well, because yeah. as EVPs, you shouldn't. If you did super kick a door down, you shouldn't be doing that. It's the EVP title that does it. If the, if they were just regular talent, I think yeah. they'd be fully on their side. But it's. I mean, imagine if you're working for a company and you're an employee like CM Punk is, and then three members of the board or three members of the executive team just burst in, acting all aggressive. That's. I mean, that's the sort of thing that you have, like, corporate suits over that last years. Like, it's I, it's easy to forget that they are in that management position because they're out performing on a regular basis. But, yeah, that's they they deserve some of the blame because that's just not how executives should act. No, you should not. And I know, like, the, the EVP status is kind of just a title at this point because I think they all kind of had a hand in, like, EVP stuff when them and Cody and Tony – Cody Rhodes and Tony Khan started all this together – at one point, I think, like, because I think the Bucks were booking at some point, and then the whole Dark Order mess before COVID happened, and then Tony's just like, all right, no, I'm taking over uh, creative. And then that's mm. just kind of it. They just kind of have EVP titles, and I don't know, what, remember what their exact jobs are, but that's more or less what things are. But yeah, you are an extension of management, you know? I know you're. you're, you're uh, you know, one of the best tag teams and one of the best wrestlers together, and like, as as a fan, that's what we see you as, but you're still one of the guys who people can come to about booking or about pitches or about ideas or anything, you know, even to just like Tony Khan is. You have to set a better precedent, and I understand if you can be frustrated that some guy just went into business for himself and you thought you had a, maybe a better relationship with him. I understand if you're frustrated, but you need to be like, hey, cooler heads need to prevail here. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is that we really don't know who initially started the fight. It could have no. people, people claim it was the elite. People claim it was punk. It's just there's so much we don't know. And I'm sure that will come yeah. out more once we release this. 
no definitely we're, we're gonna be even even if you release this tomorrow it's we're still gonna be behind a couple pieces of news absolutely in the, in the news cycle because <laughs> as you record this it is uh sunday september 11th so we initially tend to have this out the monday after it it's just there's just so much going on but there's also so much of like what seems to be like almost doom and gloom in AEW, like just in the past few months, like WWE has been thriving again, you know? Yeah. It's so, been a renaissance. Like I, I'd almost completely stopped watching WWE. And then I was like, oh, I'll give, I'll give SummerSlam a go because Vince is gone and let's, let's see what this is like. And it was one of the most entertaining WWE shows I've seen in a, a long time. And then it's been from strength to strength going into clash at the castle and stuff. So yeah, it's a re renaissance is the word I'll use just because for the first time in a long time, I'd, I'd completely stopped watching WWE altogether. And it was the same for a lot of our friend group. I'm in the similar vein of just like, I have not really watched Raw or SmackDown on a week to week basis in quite some time, in a few years. Like I, mm -hmm. how I do in this podcast, I kind of keep up with what's going on. I watch some clips here and there. I remember saying like, I, I was like, I, I'm done covering Raw like and this is like 2020 2021 or something was like because it was yeah. just so bad like those covid days of we were so bad the only good thing was roman when he turned heel finally yes yeah. and the only thing i've watched recently from clash of the castle anything with like we in general i watched drew and roman um live and because my my again my buddy sean he used to do this podcast with me he texted me saying like Oh, Drew's winning for sure. They just played Broken Dreams before he came out. I'm like, oh, right, get my phone. Like, <laughs> can watch this right now. And I really enjoyed that match. I really enjoyed Roman and Drew. And I thought, um, bringing in the other, the Usos younger brother, uh, Sale Sokoa, I think his name is. I I can't recall. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Solo Sokoa. Solo Sokoa. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So him coming in, like, just nobody expected him to to come in and kind of just ruin the match for Drew. To me, I've been saying for a while that I think Cody should kind of be the guy to beat Roman, but I'm also a huge Drew McIntyre fan as well, and if he, it would have been the perfect time to do it, but still, I really, really enjoyed the match. I didn't expect uh, Sokoa to come in and just ruin it, you know, expanding yeah. the bloodline. No, it was a, it was a great move, and it, I loved the, the fact that the Usos weren't there, and Paul Heyman hasn't been around, so it really felt like Roman was on his own, and McIntyre's on home turf, so it was the first time in a long time that it felt as though Roman was going to lose the title. I guess kind of on home turf. It was in it was in Wales, uh, but you, they they do that whole thing with the UK where it's like, oh, you're all the same, right? Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, it kind of it kind of was. When when Drew won the title, they did tell him like, "Oh, he's the first like uh, UK born, British born uh, champion." Mm. I'm just like, he's from Scotland. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like it's technically true, but like the the English and the Scottish and the Welsh, it's like it it we like to be considered separate countries for our own various historical reasons. <laughs> I completely understandable, but you know, I was it it would have been a really great move to do that, but um. But, hey, I think it's still just – it makes Roman that much bigger of a threat and bigger of a star because if I have to talk about the biggest star in wrestling right now, it's Roman Reigns with, without a yeah, question. It's, he, it's undeniable. Like the run he's had since coming back uh, two years ago, I mean he's been champion for a little over two years and it's amazing to see just the amount of matches he's had You know, with guys like Jey Uso, this recent one with Drew um, – I mean, I still haven't gotten to watch the SummerSlam one, but with him and Brock, but like that one was just, yeah. everyone's just like, that's probably the greatest match they've ever had next to like their Mania 31 match. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, the the Brock and Roman feuds, they had like, what, nine or ten pay-per-view or, or big matches, and the only really amazing ones are the first and the last one, and the rest are just kind of skippable, really. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and, and that's just talking about their one-on-one -on -one matches it's not even like you know the trip there's a triple threat between them and and moxley at the the pay-per-view before mania 32 that one was really good i remember watching that but it's just like oh, yeah like you I, kind of I, you, you, you kind of forget about that one <laughs> yeah that wasn't no that was a good match because Bro brock always shines in triple threats as well because there's the one with cena and rollins at the, at the rumble that one time oh yeah that was another great one it's just like, and I think even in recent years, like people have kind of like come on to Brock more because I think Brock's having the most fun of his career at, at this point. It's yeah. just, 
a thing of like, well, now that he's like, like, like when everyone was like, this has got to be it. Like, this is the perfect moment for, for Roman to drop the title. Drew can win. And he and, you know, we, we can kind of have that 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 moment that was taken from him because of covid where he can finally be champion. Like, even if Roman won the title at like the next pay-per-view or Saudi show or something. At least Drew still got that moment. And he was champion for most of 2020 and 2021. So it still would have been good. But now it's just like, who is the one to do it? Like, Because whoever does it, I still think it's Cody Rhodes. That is like the biggest win of that person's career. Oh, and maybe yeah. one of the biggest title wins of, of wrestling. No, I think, I think you're spot on. I think it has to be Cody at this point. Because he really felt huge coming into WWE from, from this past WrestleMania. He feels like a big star, and even though he was having great matches with with Rollins uh, coming back, I was still a little unsure about his like top. Towards the end of AEW, I wasn't the biggest fan of of Cody Rhodes, and I know that's not an uncommon opinion. Many uh, people feel love, the same way, myself included. And I still, I, <laughs> I still really like him as a performer. It was just the the sort of weird feuds and the denial of the heel turn that. I mean, he's just, he, he looks like he'd be such a good heel. I know he plays a good face as well, but he, he really does have one of those faces, especially with the, the tattoo and the blonde hair and the, <laughs> almost like an American version of like a German officer's coat kind of thing. It's, it's, it just, it screams heel to me as an Englishman. Um, but I, I think it has to be Cody because the, the Hell in a Cell match with, with Seth was just like, oh yeah, no, this guy is dedicated. This guy wants to be a top guy and i think i mean it's similar to drew making his comeback to wwe of just this person is putting the work in this person is putting the effort in and that's ultimately who you want as your top guy and i can't think of anyone else other than cody who roman hasn't already beaten i know there's the thing with rollins uh but it feels like we've had roman and rollins greatest feuds were about the shield breakup so i i don't think it should be rollins either and he's pretty much beaten everyone else on the roster. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I it's spot on with you with that. With Cody, like myself, I was, I always liked Cody Rhodes when he was in WWE initially, and then he went on that run in the Independence, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and mm. just was just on a run of his career. And I was like, Cody Rhodes is excellent, and it's amazing how he wasn't utilized to his top potential in WWE, and then going to AEW, and yeah, and things dipped with the whole him denial of the face turn, like. My, I went to the Arthur, Arthur Ashe show where they had Omega and Brian in the draw oh, nice. and where it was Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes and everybody was just booing him. Like all of us were booing Cody like we don't want you to be a babyface. Just be a heel. And <laughs> like it's kind of like a thing like in the sense of like people might say, oh, you know, uh, if you, if he's going to be a heel, you're going to cheer for him. Not necessarily. People love MJF even prior to this whole thing with yeah. Punk and, and his return. But we still booed him. Like I've been to, like the I went to the previous show too, and I think it was in Newark. Like he was cutting a promo, but I could not hear what he was saying because the crowd was booing him so loud. It's it's like like it's like the audience we're we're a part of the show. You know, we're a part of the show in the sense of like oh we're booing the bad guys and we're cheering the good guys. That's essentially what it would be. And yeah, that ending of Cody's run in AEW was just so strange and. To your point again, like him, like coming out with like his whole his peck and his arm, everything just bruised. It's just like you can't deny how much this guy loves wrestling and how much how hard of a worker he is. So it's just that like Cody feels like the right guy to do it, even when his first promo back in the company, like he like he wants to win the world title for his dad, for his family, for his his wife, his daughter, like he. Like he is an he is a, a good babyface, and I agree he is a natural heel. I think he's a better heel than a babyface, but he's proving he might be proving us wrong. Yeah, yeah, he 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 may just be that that promo back was was fantastic, and I it may have been in that one or it may have been in later comments, but I like that he showed self awareness that he's not the son of a son of a plumber. Hmm. Like he he really acknowledged his privilege and that he's not dusty, even though he's trying to like engage with that same kind of babyface energy but yeah just that self-awareness to me was enough of like oh, okay i can i can get on board with you as a babyface and potentially the guy to beat roman but then that just means there's more magic down the line if like 
halfway through a, a title reign or after he loses the title, he he can turn heel, and then we get we get that side of Cody as well. So we can we can have the best of both both worlds if he uh, if he comes back strong. Absolutely, and I think it could it could also come down to a thing of just like his status in AEW that maybe he didn't want to turn heel and he was refusing it. Whereas like if the crowd starts to come off of Cody, which I don't think they will for a long time, especially if he is going to beat Roman for the title, whenever they may come down from him, he can't, he probably can't refuse to turn heel. Triple H can go to him like, listen, Cody, the crowd's starting to come down from you. Let's do this now so that you do a good heel run. And when you come back, when just as things go on, people will appreciate your heel work and you can turn babyface again, which is a natural yeah. progression of wrestling. And Definitely. it, if I had to like kind of guess um, Roman's next set of opponents, apparently, um, and again, I can't remember if this is Observer or Sean Ross Sapp. It's it's one of the two PW, one of the reliable sources. Yeah, one, um, of, one of the reputable outlets. Yeah. Um, I was watching because I was watching a Cultaholic video yesterday, and it's believed that Roman's next title defense will be, I believe, it's not at Extreme Rules, but I think at the next Saudi show because Roman's a bit of a part timer now, uh, and it'll be carrying Cross. Uh, I like that, but. I don't think Karrion Cross will win. I think they'll have no. a good enough match where I think Karrion Cross will look over in defeat. And then I also, th- and this is just one thing I've been paying attention to so much, is the Sami Zayn Uso bloodline stuff. I, I am absolutely loving this so much. It's incredible. It It's fantastic. Even down to now, adding Solo Sokoa and Sami looking even more out of place in the bloodline, <laughs> and you just know that things are going to turn, turn eventually. And... It's just them teasing the interactions with KO. It's They maybe don't know what they're going to do with the world title yet, or maybe they do, but it definitely looks like those tag titles are going to go on to Sammy and Kevin uh, whenever they do pull pull the trigger because there's just too much of a good story there. They've they've never held gold as a tag team. They, they're definitely kayfabe strong enough to beat the Usos after the Usos have completely run through every tag team on the roster. I think that's going to be a, a real match of the year candidate when when those four finally i mean the crowd will be so hot as well because they really want sammy to to leave the bloodline i feel yeah and that is the thing like i was a huge huge fan of babyface sammy Zayn in nxt and mm-hmm. one of the matches of just like i i like that down there was like a down period of time for me like because punk was gone and brian was hurt and like it was really unsure and like i was kind of going away from wrestling and then nxt came around i'm just like Oh my God! Wrestling is amazing again. Like yeah. that match he had with with Pack in whichever takeover that was, where it was Owens' debut and then Owens turns heel afterwards of the of the title match. It was beautiful. Like yeah, you you really do have a great underdog babyface in Sami Zayn, and it's weird how he's been a heel longer than a babyface in WWE. And I, yeah. I think that match that you're talking about, the Usos and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, that's happening at Mania. And I, I get the feeling that we could probably get a babyface Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble for the title. And just oh, imagine that, if he comes back to his old theme song. Yeah, that would be so good. Oh, it's like I, I, I mean to to add to that, I I'd, I'd love to see Roman versus Kevin Owens in in December to kind of like facilitate the turn of like Sami really tr- like seeing his friend getting beaten up and and it's his it's his ally this time who gets dicked over by the bloodline and so he feels more about it and then that facilitates the turn for sammy to have his title shot and all of this keeps roman interesting relevant on top ready for cordy or whoever at mania um but yeah just oh man give give me what you've just said sammy sammy zane versus roman reigns at the royal rumble that sounds perfect it just it just it makes sense especially like with the reaction he got in in canada when they did SmackDown, yeah. like everybody was loving him. It's just like it's not like the commentators even going like, "Oh, we're in Bizarro World." Like, no, it's just we're in the home home country, hometown of 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 mm-hmm. a wrestler, and he, they're gonna naturally be over like a babyface. It's kind of like MJF in Long Island; they're gonna love him. He's like he's a heel, but the crowd's gonna love him. But in this, it just kind of felt like the Sami Zayn of old, and I think you can you have like there's a lot of different opponents that Roman can go through in the next several, next few months leading up to Mania. You, you, the Karrion Cross thing, I think, works. I wouldn't do it so soon, but then again, by the time they do it, they could have built up Karrion Cross really, really well. Like maybe Cross and Drew will have a match at um, at Extreme Rules, and Cross will just look like an absolute yeah. monster, and that could help him look like a legitimate contender against Roman. 
And then maybe you can do the Seth Rollins thing. And the, the great thing about the Seth Rollins and, and Roman Reigns thing, you mentioned earlier, like, you wouldn't want to do that because have Seth win because, you know, we've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. There is an underlining fact that I think people may forget is that Roman's never beaten Seth one-on-one. Oh, really? To mine, if I if I remember correctly, I don't think he's ever beaten Seth because if you look back in the history, where Seth goes takes money in the bank, catches it on on Roman and mm-hmm. and Brock in the middle of Mania thirty one, he pins Roman, and then the following year when he comes back after injury from the Extreme Rules show, and then he challenges Roman for the title at Money in the Bank, Seth beat him too. He caught him in a spear and pedigreed him and won. And I believe, like, and then the Shield triple threat, Ambrose won that match. Um, and I can't recall their other matches that they had, but the most from the most recent one, uh, the Royal Rumble this year, Roman didn't win. He lost by DQ. So I don't think yeah. Seth Rollins has ever, I, I mean, sorry, Roman Reigns has actually ever beaten Seth Rollins. And that could play up into the whole thing of, like, Seth Rollins could be a credible threat to Roman Reigns' title reign because that's what we need for stories for Roman going into media. We need credible challengers, and the and the matches need to feel like so much emotion that like, oh my god, they could win, they could win. But in the end, Roman doesn't. Uh, Roman does win. Yeah, yeah. No, Seth would be very credible, especially if that fact gets brought up in in the build, because um, it really felt like he never got his like proper shot at the at the start of this year. Because was he in the was he in the Fatal Five way at day one? as well was Seth was Seth, sort of like, um, I certainly remember a series of scenarios at the start of this year where even though Seth was the heel, he was getting screwed out of like one-on-one title opportunities was, was part of it that I thought was going to potentially lead to, to him versus Roman sooner, but it still hasn't, it doesn't really happened yet without, with a, with a clean finish anyway. So he was in uh, the fatal five way. So it was Brock versus Big E versus Seth versus Kevin Owens versus Bobby Lashley. And that was the whole thing. Like it was originally, I think, supposed to be Roman and Brock, but then Roman got COVID. So they had to switch things up. I think, I think it was Rollins and Kevin Owens who were feuding and they threw them in the match. And I think Bobby Lashley and Big E were feuding. So they just, they made one big giant match and eventually it was just to lead to the whole Brock versus Roman scenario at WrestleMania for like, you know, title versus title, the biggest WrestleMania match ever. Like it's stupendous. <laughs> yeah. The most stupendous that, that bullshit. Oh God. Um, but I think like, I really enjoyed Roman and Seth's match at the rumble this year. It was going so well until that dusty finish. And it's yeah. just like, I think they put out the thing of just like, uh, they didn't want either guy to lose clean or something. I'm just like, then why book the match? Exactly. That's oh. that's often was Vince's problem as a booker is that he booked matches that looked good on paper, but then sort of ruined characters and stories going forward. I mean, clear example is the fiend. Uh, sorry, not the fiend. Uh, the demon, Finn Balor. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, like something that was so. Like the like I I I it's gonna have to be a very long time before the demon ever comes back because he's lost a lot of credibility ever since that match at Extreme Rules last year. Yeah, yeah, it it was the worst match in Roman's reign. I feel just for what it did to Balor and it having that finish where the lights went out and Balor tripped, but no one tripped him or something. I can barely remember it. I've tried to block it from my memory. The internet has said that it's God who helped Roman because God acknowledged him, <laughs> and Balor is a demon from hell. Well, so, you know, that's that's better kayfabe explanation than what Vince did, so... We'd got no kayfabe explanation whatsoever. <laughs> it's not even, like... It, even the thing of just, like, Paul Heyman paid off one of the ring guys or something. Like, just, yeah, just, that just been something. Fine. I would have been amazing, okay with that. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Finn Balor is another guy who I've just been a big fan of, and it's like his his run has been hit or miss. At least the Judgment Day is starting to look decent and, and better in recent... Uh, recent yeah. uh Months, I should say, almost said years, but I haven't even been around that long. No, no, it, it, it's certainly better than where he was under Vince, where he'd, I feel like he'd gone back to just being like smiling Irish guy. Um, which after his like, I didn't watch much wrestling or much WWE over the pandemic, but I really kept up with uh, Finn Balor's NXT run because I love that side of Balor, like the the Prince, the cocky heel. Like, oh yeah, that, that was so good. Like, so if, if he gets to do more of that with Judgment Day, then yeah, it'll be a a better position for Finn. But going real quickly, there was one other thing that we wanted to talk about before we kind of wrap things up here. I know you had mentioned to me in like some of our, our messages and everything that 
we did have another topic to talk about, and it's what guys and girls could kind of jump over to WWE from AEW or some free agents that are going on. Because in recent months, we have seen Johnny Gargano come back. We've mentioned Karrion Cross. Braun Strowman just came back recently as yeah. of a, a week ago. Uh, so who are some people that you'd like to see come to WWE now with this whole Triple H uh, in in control of creative? Yeah, so I've, I've got a list of five names uh, that I think would be good to go from AEW to, to WWE. And I've tried to, I mean, one of them is, is someone who is very much a Triple H guy, but I tried to stay away from just like picking people who were heavily pushed in NXT because they seem more like obvious answers. Um, but I guess I'll start with the most obvious answer and, and that's Andrade. I, I think Andrade would be better in, in WWE than he has been in AEW. It's He's had good matches, but I just feel like the character hasn't hasn't been engaging or entertaining that is one i definitely agree with i felt like when andrade first initially came in i felt like he could have had a pretty decent run in AEW, and not that he's had a terrible run but i can't really name a whole bunch of great matches he's been a part of mm. like the, the the first few matches he had with pack i think were really good like those were really he was off to a really good start but yeah. then he hasn't really done much since you know like he's kind of been like mid-card feuds with Matt Hardy and then you know he really he really hasn't done much of anything that of remembrance other than the pack matches and then like the the, the Cody Rhodes match where like Cody set himself on fire yeah <laughs> like just uh, in, in an attempt to remain babyface for us yeah like I it's like don't boo me I this is my hometown I put myself on fire the crowd boo turn heel yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going back to that thing there um Andrade is a good guy um I Here's one that I have. I don't know if if he's on your list, but he did get his release. Is Malachi Black? Yeah, de- I mean, definitely. He's got he's got to be someone who heads back that direction because I can't think of of someone who had such a uh, extremity in in booking between the companies purely because Triple Edge in NXT booked him as like the guy. Mm-hmm. Like he even when he didn't have the title, he had the really engaging feuds uh, and sort of was the star of week to week TV uh, for like twenty. 2017 2018 that kind of that kind of time yeah like the golden era and, of nxt yeah the, the real golden era yeah yeah it's fantastic <laughs> um and yeah i so i think i think malachi will eventually end up there i know there's there's no one really fully knows what's going on in in terms of is it like a conditional release or something where... that's the word that's going around that i think sean yeah. ross Sapp reported that like it's a conditional release like he i don't think he can kind of go work anywhere just yet i think he may still be getting paid i think it's essentially what it is is like the um ah oh, that clause that wwe has when wrestlers get released or oh, the the 90 day no compete yeah something similar to that like i think AEW is still gonna pay him but there's gonna be a certain amount of time where like he can't work anywhere so i, I that's a guy who i because you look at it if on an andrade situation what i think with him was is that he wanted to go and they gave him his release whereas black didn't want to go and he was released so he gave AEW a shot like black didn't want to leave like he had this whole new character that was getting stuff like like uh like uh the fa- the father character thing like this whole new new thing that he was doing and it just kind of yeah just went away um so i think black is a guy who should definitely go back because Triple H did peg him as like whether he was like going to be the top guy or whatever, like you said, but he was always engaged in interesting stuff. Even his like his main roster run to start was really good. Like his matches he matched yeah. with Cesaro or Claudio Castagnoli now and with now Buddy Matthews, formerly Buddy Murphy. And that run yeah, they in had the winter. Amazing matches together, yeah. He he's definitely someone who should go back. And if he's not gonna be the top guy, like he he could be their undertaker, like the guy who comes out to have the showcase matches where maybe he's not ever near the championship that often but is just the spectacle the surprise the oh don't fuck with malachi black yeah i think he definitely has that that undertaker vibe that he could be the attraction maybe not always in the in the main event and title picture but he is a big deal on his own um but going through who are some of the other names that you have on your list there uh so i this plays into something that is just a a bugbear of mine of how poorly booked the AEW women's division is and how I just want all of the talented people to get out of there because it has no signs of getting better. 
Um, but I think whether it's like next year or the year after, I think Jade Cargill should should go to WWE because I think the caliber once she like really refines her uh, sort of main event level performance because she already has the look, she's already progressing in ring at a rate that most people don't do. I I feel like there's just higher caliber caliber main event opponents for her in in WWE like. I mean, like even before you talk about matches with the the four horsewomen, that which would be fantastic. Uh, it, Jade Cargill versus Bianca Belair would be. Incredible. Oh wow! Like the, the strength spots would be. Yeah, that'd be really good. No, um, I know that Jade Cargill, uh, AW very much needs Jade Cargill, and that going into twenty twenty three, she's probably gonna switch up that TBS title for for the world title. But I just think she could do more history making things in in WWE. So yeah, she'd be one of my picks. That's a very interesting one. That she, because she's not somebody who I would I would have expected you to say just of how well AEW have been treating her. But yeah. it it is also a thing of like it's the booking of the women's division. Like you have such talented women there, you know. Like you know, because I Jade, I was a little iffy on because I'm like she still needs work, but she but she oh, yeah. can be great, and she has been doing great, and like just just as her presence alone, how she carries herself as a star is phenomenal. She does an amazing job at that. You have her, you have Tony Storm who's been over and doing very well. You have Thunder Rosa, you have Britt Baker, uh just uh Jamie Hayter is really starting to get into her own and really mm-hmm. we're building on that Hayter Baker feud. Uh Ruby Soho, like I I'm 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 sad for Ruby Soho cuz I thought she was going to have a decent run and she did up until she lost to Britt Baker. Yeah, no, the, the the roster is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with the the no, signings that have not. been made. It's just what what is your goal as a as a professional as a wrestler when you're fighting for twelve minutes of TV time every two for every two hours, like six six minutes of TV time for every hour of TV that's put on. I don't know if if I were a woman in AEW, I'd just be like, I don't know where my career goes here. Like it, I'm not gonna main event a pay per view. I'm not going to. Uh, get to have like a 15 minute match on TV even like it's yeah it it I don't know what Tony Khan is doing and definitely female employees could totally speak out about it online and the internet would fully be on their side they very much need their own women's revolution that WWE had a few years back and it's not because like they're being treated disrespectfully because they're being presented well but it's just the time it's it's almost criminal in 2022 to have that much of a agenda divide on a on a tv show on a broadcast tv show to for it to be so heavily skewed in favor of of men yeah and i have to agree because there are a lot of talented women in AEW. like i think there's only been maybe two times or maybe three if i recall three times in aw's history where women have main evented a uh a show and mm. all three of them include Britt baker Britt baker versus thunder rosa <laughs> yeah. the saint Dad- patrick's day massacre Britt Baker versus Ruby Soho, Arthur Ashe, uh, uh, Grand Slam, uh, mm. and then I believe Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker main evented their steel cage match, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I think they did. Okay, so you have that star in Britt Baker, but you need to shift it with other women, and I think Jade is probably going to be one of those women. I think Jade Cargill dropping the TBS title to whoever it would be on a dynamite main event would be a big deal rather than a pay-per-view because I feel like with the way they're going to build up her thing she's got to drop it on TV uh, to an upcoming baby yeah, face. I, I agree for for sure. So, who are some of the other names? Can you see about 5 people there? You listed 3? Yeah, yeah, I got I got a couple more. Uh so not right now, but eventually just because I mean, I I went to a WWE live event recently and I forgot how fun those those house shows are with like how the just especially the heels interact with the audience it's just it's on a level that you don't really see on t- on TV and so I think my my pick is the gun club or the ass boys uh to <laughs> ass boys. As, as Dan Housen says the ass boys as uh, the ass boys uh <laughs> just because like the Billy Gunn's friends with Triple H there's going to be like rapport there anyway uh but they're just I don't know, watching them progress across the pandemic and then sort of come to a peak with this acclaimed feud, they're just such good TV heels. Like, they're, they're, they're almost perfect for being, like, your opening act of, like, to to watch someone like the New Day or 
like any face tag team, like Street Profits, any any face tag team in WWE to beat them up. It's just that's good entertain. That's a good entertaining start to any show. So I think. And it helps that they're brothers as well, because then there's like the inbuilt storyline if they ever become single stars. So it, yeah, I I think they'd be a great a great team because they're so young to to eventually end up in in WWE. Gotta agree there. They they really come into their own with the whole like just just you know fucking with people essentially. That they're very very good with that, and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I don't have much else to say about the about said ass no, boys. That's, that's okay. I just I was but trying th- to think outside the box a little. No, I, and I think that's great. That's not something I would have expected. I've got one more name for you if you're, sure. if you're interested. Of course. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho. I, I think, although he says online, I'm, I'm AEW for life, like I love this company, he does that wherever he goes. And Jericho is just still so goddamn sports entertaining. Even when I want to dislike him, when his feud goes on for a bit too long, he always pulls it back around and puts the people over and then starts a new interesting feud with a new twist on his character. But I think he could potentially be like that WrestleMania legend all the way up until he's like 60 or something because he's showing no signs of slowing down. Um, so I, I'd kind of love to see a Chris Jericho Legends run where he just comes back for like a few matches a year and he's almost like like what Triple H was doing towards the end and Undertaker towards the end of just, it's a big pay-per-view bring out Chris Jericho as a challenger and he'll put over a really good young baby face or heel. Jericho is a guy who I can easily see go back. Um, I think honestly, it's about how happy he is in AEW where the money is, um, where his whole position, maybe, maybe not so much on the, on the show itself, but as like maybe backstage as like, because we mentioned earlier about him, Danielson and Moxley are kind of like the locker room leaders. A, a meeting was, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but a meeting was held between the talent and then the ones running the meeting were Danielson, Moxley and Jericho. And maybe he could stay, maybe he could go. It all depends on what he wants, but I could see that as well. Jericho could easily have one last run in WWE goes off and maybe wrestles guys like, Maybe a Matt Riddle, a Johnny Gargano, yeah. uh, Tommaso Ciampa. I think a Tommaso Ciampa, Chris Jericho feud would be very, very well done. Um, yeah. But it's just so much that could be done there. And I have a few guys who I think could come back like real quickly. I think Bray Wyatt is bound to come back to WWE at some point because yeah. that company is where he will thrive as a character. AEW is more sports and real type of stuff Mm -hmm. like I look at we talked about Malachi Black before I look at the House of Black and I'm just like it's cool it's they're brooding they're dark I love that kind of stuff with characters but obviously the House of Black did not it's just no fault of their own because all those guys are incredible it Mm -hmm. just doesn't work no, it's it's not having the TV like for all of its sins Raw is three hours so if you if you have a Bray Wyatt or a Malachi Black they've got time to cut like a three to five minute promo but there's just no time for that on dynamite like you say with the more sports presentation yeah because most fans who are AEW fans like yes promos are fun and they're cool but we really want to see the athleticism and the wrestling of like that's that's why guys like danielson is there and yeah. you know wheeler yuda daniel garcia claudio casagnoli boxley uh, and whoever the whoever else kenny omega like really technical based wrestlers and I know I said Moxley, and he's kind of a deathmatch wrestler too, but mm-hmm. but he can still go in there and have a technical match. I think the match he had with, with Jericho a while back was really good against Lionheart yeah. Jericho, and I even the match with PM Punk and All Out was great despite the fallout of it. Um, yeah. It just depends on what you could do. Like, And that's something, honestly, I'm surprised never happened in WWE, a Bray Wyatt versus Aleister Black feud. I, to my recollection, I don't think it ever happened. No, I... I... I think we'd remember it, right? Those two guys cutting promos at each other—that would be—that'd be something special. I mean, they could do the—they could have them return on the same night and instantly do that as a thing. Because a, a lot of the questions about signing them both would be like, "Oh, do you need two spooky guys on the roster?" Hmm. But if they immediately feuded with each other, whoever comes out second, probably Bray would would come out of nowhere. It would be a genuine shock for the crowd, and then instantly you can establish why they're different kinds of cerebral uh for lack of a better word spooky uh wrestlers and i think that's something because it's almost a good thing they never feuded together when vince was still at the head of creative because i think i mean bray wyatt has been wrong more than any other wrestler in 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 wb history in my opinion and i don't think 
Alistair Black at the time had the opportunity to be really, really damaged. I mean, he just wasn't really used a whole lot and booked. It wasn't booked all that great. But Bray was wronged so badly. I immediately when you said have them come back at the same night, the the thing that popped in my head was it was a Raw before WrestleMania 27. Undertaker came back, was about to cut a promo. Triple H interrupts yes. him. They stare at each other. They look at the WrestleMania sign. They nod their head and they both leave. Like yep. a moment like that would be really, really cool. I mean, maybe you could do something like that for Mania, but at least to set up a big match between the two of them, it would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I completely forgot about that that build, and it really was the perfect start to it. And yeah, let's let's do that with those two guys. Absolutely. Um, I think overall, the town ta- for wrestlers these days. Your choices are, I mean, not unlimited, but you have a lot of choices. You could go WWE, you could go to AEW, New Japan, Impact. Yeah. Um, I, it I, so good? It's so good, isn't it? Like to see how healthy the business is now compared to five, ten years ago. Like people have options, and you talk about like AEW having this more like real sports identity, and then WWE having a more entertainment identity. That's just that's just healthy. That's just great. That's that's brand identity, different places for people to work. If if someone wants to have like a a more entertaining three years, they can sign a three year contract with WWE. If they want to have a more in ring three years, they can sign a three year contract with AEW and just go back. I I want to see loads of wrestlers go back and forth like over the next hopefully decade plus. Like I really want both companies to be around. I do too. I I really don't want it to be like where it's a WWE WCW situation where like the booking just gets so bad and everything's like diluted. But I, I, I agree with you. I want to see, have two big wrestling companies where they are, they have a healthy more, excuse me, a morale backstage and everyone's having a good time. They can, they can hone their craft. They can have great matches on either show. You could have great technical wrestling matches. I mean, on both shows just to differentiate and you can, like that's and going back to Jericho real quickly, I think that's why the whole JAS Jericho Appreciation Society sports entertainer thing. I think that's great way to be a heel on a yeah. what is very much a wrestling show, you know. And even though WWE starting to do like you know starting to say wrestling things again, like that whole promo with Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens a while back was like we're bloody wrestlers in a bloody wrestling <laughs> ring, so let's just effing wrestle. And yeah. then I just see like what was the gif of uh, I don't know somebody having a heart attack, Vince McMahon right now hearing wrestling you the word wrestling and wrestler used in a promo so many times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's 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 heard the word hospital said a few times in the. Last oh yeah, like, that, that must have given him a shock. God damn it, it's a local medical facility. <laughs> oh god i could go off on vince mcmahon all this other stuff here man but um i think we got a solid time here uh just matt thanks so much for coming on dude uh this was a really fun time and anytime you're free man you're more than welcome to come on yeah thanks for having me this was a total blast oh always down to to chat wrestling as am i hence why i do this whole thing <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> thanks so much, man. Uh, if you like what you heard, uh, please consider giving us a follow on our social media platforms at, at TNAWP on Twitter, uh, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. Uh, leave us a five-star review in your favorite podcast, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you can leave five-star reviews. I know not all of them can, but you can write reviews. So write a review, share it with your friends, and uh, if you love wrestling, share this with everybody. So for CJ Palmasano and for Matt of Gate Leapers, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time.